Welcome to Rocketman Explores, where we voyage forth and delve into the world of sci-fi. But wait a minute. Ah, that's better. So this season, we're going to be exploring alternate universes. What they are, how dark they could be compared to our regular ones, and just what kind of strange, wondrous, and terrible things can be found there. So come and join me on this journey, and we'll all go and find wonder and terror and strangeness together. Hello again, everyone, and uh, welcome to another episode of Rocketman Explorers. I am your lovely host, the Rocketman, and uh, I hope everyone's doing all right. Uh, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but for those of you listening from the post-plague future, enjoy yourselves. For those of you listening in the current plague present, I hope you're all doing all right. I have been uh, locked up in my own spaceship for almost two months now. It's been a process. Uh, looking at planets out the window rather than going and see them myself is not the ideal way of exploration. But uh, what are you going to do? So uh, I hope everyone's doing A-OK and hopefully listening to us while we're all locked down will bring you some semblance of, uh, you know, excitement, peace, or whatever it is you want it to bring you, really. Anyhow... Today I have a very special guest. My guest today is a very dear friend of mine and previous roommate. We lived together for several years. Jean-Francois, say hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, Like Connor, I extend my best wishes and greetings to you all in this trying time. And I hope that you are indeed listening to us from a better future. One where we can go outside without fear of bumping into our neighbor's bubble two meters away. Yeah. Instead, we just now we go outside and just fear bumping into our neighbors because we have to have conversation with them, but not because they may carry a plague and kill us. That's a much better alternative. That is a much better future, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so today, we are going to be discussing today, ladies and gentlemen, we are branching out. No Star Trek this episode. We're branching out to another near and dear and even more venerable, if that's possible, science fiction property. Uh, today we are talking Doctor Who. Jeff, I believe that it was me, in fact, that introduced you to Doctor Who. Yes, in fact, it was Connor who introduced me to this wonderful, light-hearted, positive, whimsical, even science fiction story. <laughs> and, uh, much to my delight. <laughs> yes, this uh, this particular, the, the particular episodes we're going to be talking about may be a bit... Uh, as Jeff says, there's the joy. The joy of Doctor Who is it can be whimsical and delightful, and also can veer off to some pretty sharp left turns all over the place. the The joy of having the conceit of a time machine that can go everywhere and do anything is you can do literally any type of story. Of course, that can also sometimes hamstring it because if you can do any type of story with no focus, sometimes the stories can go pretty harebrained. Um. I know you and I have both discussed that, like, whenever Doctor Who doesn't work, it's never the fault of it's it's almost always because the writing has just haired off into some crazy place. It's usually never the fault of the Doctor themselves or whatever actors happen to be there or anything. Oh, no. So far, so far, all the Doctors that we've seen through and through, I, I mean, since the reboot, have been talented individuals who've done the best with sometimes not so great scripts some seasons really stand out as being excellent and others not so great however uh today i think we're going back to some uh a golden era of the doctor who reboot indeed we're well we're going back to my personal 
I mean, I've enjoyed all of the new doctors, uh, the, all of them. They've all been good in different ways, but my per probably because he's the one I, well, no, I started with Eccleston, but my personal favorite will be Mr. David Tennant. And we are discussing the episodes, um, Rise of Cy the Cybermen and the Age of Steel, because of course they are the first introduction to the parallel Earth that becomes sort of a recurring place in the second season of Doctor Who. Of the reboot, I should say. Close to ours, but definitely very different. Yes, it's so like the type of... Uh, Jeff, I don't know if you... I, I doubt you've been listening to this particular thing, but every, we've been focusing on the different styles of alternate universe that show up in science fiction. And mm -hmm. this one is really like, you know, everything from just the butterfly effect, minor variations to like the completely different this that, and the other. And this one falls very much in the like butterfly effect sort of there's differences it's still very recognizably earth but there are there are very recognizable differences it's not like the one thing is different a lot has clearly changed but it's still earth to the point where all the, our characters or some of our characters still have their own versions of themselves in this reality yes and uh they're not at a loss to explore this new dimension it's it's all very familiar to them as you say, some historical elements have been changed. Uh, the way technology has progressed is a little different. Clearly, the political events have been very different. But nonetheless, <clears throat> it's a recognizable political system, a recognizable yeah. economic system, and uh, you know, characters coming in double. So, and, uh, namely, Rose's mother, uh, Rose's yeah. father, all those people. Yeah. For those of you who don't know Doctor Who. I'm not going to be able to explain it or get into it. You've got 50-odd years' worth of things going, so I would just advise you to grab an episode, any episode. It's so long and so vast that you don't need to really be up on everything that's happened. Just grab an episode and watch to see if you're into it. I would highly suggest it. But it means I'm not going to attempt to explain everything that was that has happened or like that leads up to this because it would, we, it would take us, you know, at least a year. What I will say is this... They have put this in an alternate dimension for several reasons, I think. And one of them is because they want to introduce the Doctor Who villains that are very much the parallel of humankind, the Cybermen, which are people that have essentially had all their emotions and th surgically removed and become sort of all thought, no, no emotion, no action, no anything, and very much almost like a collectivist society instead. So they're the parallel of humankind in the same way that this world is the parallel of ours. To a degree, in, in, in this episode, still to give our, our listeners some context, the yeah. main villain, Lumic, who is a ruthless industrialist who is dying and who is terrified of death, much like yeah. our society is paralyzed by the fear of death right now, and uh, is busy waging war against it, well, Lumic is also waging his own war against death and to transcend it and to maintain control as well, he hatches a plot to transform humanity into the Cybermen, which can be endlessly upgraded and which will feel no pain. And in fact, they ha their emotions are uh, inhibited, not cut out. And they're That's inhibited true, yes. because if they realized what they had become and could feel, they would be in too much pain to bear it. This is, in fact, how the Doctor will uh, thwart the Cybermen in this episode. It is by allowing their emotions to be felt again, which destroys the Cybermen from the inside, yeah. which is very sad. It's this, 
this episode rewatch I hadn't seen these two this pair of episodes in a very long time and rewatching them they were remarkably prescient about a lot of things Lumic is uh, has developed his company his riches seem to have come from having developed a technology that's very similar to social media that everyone is plugged into which <clears throat> everyone gets their news from everyone gets their information from everyone gets their jokes from uh, it's very sort of pre-widespread Facebook global uh, like um, merged information information because this this episode came out like back in the mid 2000s like 2005 2006 something like that and yeah it's all very still using non smartphones but still yeah anyway. they still got flip phones and dial they got the old Nokia the I miss those the old Nokia's that you could throw into a wall and then pee on and it would still work the next day those things were indestructible but yes, um, yes we all have that in our repertoire of experience yeah the wall and the pee yeah. you know uh, I'm, it's just an example <laughs> but um, and, and also like clearly um capitalism has progressed in this society also somewhat similarly insofar as like there's rich people literally flying lording over the city in zeppelins whereas the lower class there's a military enforced curfew on them it seems and then they are also being just rounded up and processed for these experiments and nobody cares. Like it's Now, mind you, uh, the people who are being rounded up and processed for these experiments are the homeless, the people with no ties, the vulnerable. And, um, you know, let's face it, in this degree, there is no difference between this reality and theirs. Like, as a society... Ours does not care about the homeless and wouldn't care if a whole bunch of them just started disappearing. We wouldn't even notice. No, like a, exactly. And our own version of reality has a lengthy history of, uh, you know, quote unquote, democratic states experimenting on their own populations and then, you know, uh, nastier regimes doing even nastier. But it's just like, this is not very foreign. It's just, a, in fact, that whole universe is kind of an exaggeration of trends which are present right now. And it's yeah. not a heavy distortion. The curfew and the military occupation of the streets may be a little extreme, but nonetheless, in England, the presence of the repressive apparatus is everywhere anyways, right? Already they have cameras everywhere. They have all sorts of stuff. Um, it's just like part and parcel of our lives, uh, if only a little bit more removed and hidden. Same with like the, the grotesque differences and disparities in wealth that are exhibited there. Yeah, so it's it's there. I, I mean, I feel that they're saying the explicit purpose of these two episodes is the rise of the Cybermen and how do we deal with this? And I don't know, but there's there's a lot that the writers are saying. I like the understatedness and how they've written these, and that oh, they're saying a lot about how things work, how they think things will be, without ever really saying anything. It's all just there in the subtext or it's all presented to you either visually or just in interactions through characters, which is never, it's never brought to your attention. It's just an understood fact of how it is. I, li I, I like how they've in incorporated all that. Even even like that business owning politicians, the president uh, joking, oh, you know, they say that maybe he owns me. Well, is that a joke? Well, probably not. I very much enjoy how they structured these two. What it ultimately says is uh, yeah. this society, which is essentially uh, a mirror of ours, barring a few exaggerations for yeah. theatric purposes, um, is basically ours. And with its impulses, the way it's driven and with the kind of leadership it also has, 
its, uh, its future the, and what it's trying to manifest is this cold, heartless machine that does rational economic decisions, maybe, um, but that is homogeneous. They're all the same. They all refer to the same things and they don't think critically. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a damning indictment of the social progression that faces us today. Yeah, it's the the Cybermen are are very much sort of the peak from the transhumanists and like the yeah, you know, it doesn't matter everything. Right now, it's such an obvious example. They're like, oh well, you know, like the economic de decisions have to be made, which will kill hundreds of thousands of people and that's being happening right now right in front of us so yeah the parallels are incredible i i bet the writers of the these two episodes are looking around now going shit you know like we meant that to be more exaggerated than it ended up becoming as it were probably didn't anticipate things to follow quite as closely to their parallel universe as they had initially like set it up now something that i haven't really gotten into so far in all the previous episodes, but which is an obvious aspect of parallel universes. This is the first one we've gotten into where um, it's not in all the previous ones in the, the, the wharf episode where he went through many different parallel universes. It was always himself. This is the first one where you're not just going and you're there and everything else. The world's different. There's you in this world too. Our, the character Mickey meets Ricky, which is essentially himself and cut a long story short for our viewers the Ricky version dies. And in this universe, uh, in our previous universe, our hero Mickey, his grandmother has passed away, who he lived with has passed away some years before from falling down the stairs. In this universe, she is still alive, which ultimately is one of the many re re things that spurs his decision to remain there. And I may want to save this question for later on, but I think I'll ask it in both episodes. Is What I would like to know both from yourself, Jeff, and then maybe from all our listeners is if you went to a parallel world, what would be the difference in it that would convince you to stay? Like if there was something there that was different and that was enough that you'd be like, okay, you know, we're not going home. We're staying here. I mean, obviously there's several obvious ones. Like if it's like an absolute paradise or something like that, okay, fine. But like, obviously, this world is objectively worse than the one that Mickey's left, but because his grandmother's there, he decides to stay anyways. And, like, that's something that they haven't really explored much in any of the other mediums we've looked at so far. Yes, and it's this is a delicate question. Like, Yeah, without getting too personal, obviously. <laughs> no, of course. Um, well, I think that largely the question then becomes do you think that this is actually your grandmother for example like um the case can be made that it is but a much stronger case can be made that it is not in fact your grandmother this is just very close to something that you like knew as your grandmother this is not the same thing even though they're very very close so uh, for mickey to make that jump he has to accept that this person is the same or close enough that it doesn't matter anymore. And there's a strong element of uh, irrationality and sentimentality and impulsivity in that decision. Um, and so I think that what it would take to make you stay, the answer to that is uh, extremely personal for every one of our listeners. And I yeah. think that for uh, someone to make that choice, they have to uh, kind of pretend like they're, they're going to have to make not just a leap of faith but um they're going to have to willingly lie to themselves about some aspects of this new reality to fit in 
and for it to work and for other, for them to desire to be there. So yeah. Mickey is not faced with his grandmother. This is something different, but it's just close enough that it's going to fill this uh, hole of guilt because he feels guilty for her death. Um, this hole of guilt and loneliness and love and belonging that he's been feeling for so long and that, that keeps coming back through the series. Um, so uh, he he needs something to cling to and this emotionally is so much for him that he's just going to pretend like this is his grandma and that this is his home when it's not and it's completely different. I mean, you know, it's easy for us to say, oh, yeah, it's completely different. But, like, I don't know. If I went to an alternate reality and, like, my grandma showed up, like, and, you know, it's, like, her looks exactly like her, speaks exactly like her, same place, like, same everything. Yeah, I'd have a hard time. I, I would have a hard time then going with a rational element of, like, well, no, clearly this isn't her. I'd be like, well, fuck, you know, like, there she – sure, maybe clearly it's not her, but there she is. She's right there. like. And, of course, Mickey has other things spurring him on. It's not just this. Like, he doesn't have really anything. His girlfriend is now firmly the doctor's girlfriend. Like, he's he doesn't, ha he doesn't have anyone left at home. So, like, there, he doesn't have much to lose by adopting this falsehood into his life, as it were. Like, no, and, I mean, if everybody's honest with themselves, they're always, like, all of us adopt certain falsehoods or uh, make certain leaps like that just to get on with our lives. Um, that's just the nature of things. It's just like, this is a very dramatic move. And I think that Mickey can do it easily because he is missing so many things and he's in uh, a lot of emotional distress. Yeah, it would be more, the more ties you have, obviously the more difficult this would become. And an interesting and thing is- Likely sorry that you would be likely to succumb to this kind of sentimentalism so quickly. Right or so so fully like. Well, again, that would very much depend on the type of person you know, the type of person that you are, the type of person that would end up in such a situation. I mean, obviously, as far as we know, no one's going to end up in that situation because currently our knowledge of physics renders that impossible. But uh, never say never. This podcast could uh, inform somebody in in a, in, in a critical moment of their lives when they're trapped in an alternate reality and they don't know whether they should come home or not. I mean, look, guys, make your own decisions. If you're currently listing this trapped in alternate reality, A, I mean, great, we're also in alternate realities. That's cool. And Or if you brought it with you, I mean, I appreciate that. I very much appreciate the sentiment that you brought us to an alternate reality. I would have brought something a bit more practical, but great. And hopefully this will inform your decision-making process. <laughs> I just want to help. But yeah, you know, you should hopefully you also brought like, you know, a hatchet, like water and things. Although <laughs> if you're in a city, that won't matter. Just good luck. If you're in the alternate reality, good luck. At least it's not this one. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a bit of a digression, listeners, but I would like to point out within these episodes, uh, much is made that clearly the mode of transport, the or at least the rich mode of transport, is Zeppelins. Now, Zeppelins happen to be a subject that are near and dear to my guest JF's heart, uh, as he has long maintained that they are a much superior transport and cargo carrying apparatus than uh, our current system. Now, considering that, uh, again, in our increasingly insane reality that we live in, air travel has all but collapsed. Um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on the Zeppelin, the Zeppelin train in the future? 
You know, are we are we looking at a comeback again? <laughs> yes. The Zeppelin is the air transport vehicle of the future. In terms of fuel use, don't mind you, this was more of a concern when petroleum was very expensive. We'll, we'll see later as, as things come apart. But um, the uh, Zeppelin is fuel efficient. They're, yep. they're not hybrid, uh, by the way, these days. Like the, the newest models and the kind of the prototypes that are out uh, do feature engines and some dynamic lift, but uh, most of the heavy lifting is still done by the gases. Uh, so all that said, the current models are much, 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 much more fuel efficient than a traditional aircraft to carry cargo. You do not need a runway. You do not need a whole bunch of different infrastructure that it is otherwise needed uh, for air cargo or for air transport. Um, mm -hmm. They are not the solution for business, like for rapid, rapid business travel, the likes that jet jetliners can deliver. However, for air transport, for cargo, for uh, remote locations, and for a slew of applications, the Zeppelin, quote unquote, they're now called aerostats, but these vehicles are the future at some point. Yeah, it's uh, they. Yeah, I mean, especially so. Our listeners know we're speaking to you from Canada. The 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 ways to get up north of things like that, like it just it makes so much more sense for going and servicing, especially as uh, the planet melts and there's more land up there, uh, there's more people going up there. It just makes much more sense from the long haul to be able to take those up there and sort of deliver things and do whatever you can with them. So uh, Exactly. I, I, and when, you're, when your time is maybe twice what it would have taken with an airplane, but your fuel bill is a quarter, uh, eventually the maths make sense. And the, yeah. the, the new materials that are coming out, you know, in the last two decades alone have really really progressed the like uh, how to say the performance uh, capacities of this kind of engine so unfortunately at the beginning of the 20th century the airship was a, a great try but they just did not have the technology to master this vehicle it was too complicated too many moving parts uh you know explosive gases and stuff so the the danger was much much higher then today uh, we control so much. We can, we we actually have meteorology, which they did not have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, all, all stuff. Yeah. So it's I can only postulate then that in this universe, I'm guessing the Hindenburg never occurred. That that crash never happened, and so people just got on with keeping them there without like sort of that that stigma rolling over them from that, which. So there you go. One thing that you're almost certain definitely didn't happen in that particular alternate reality is that the Hindenburg did not occur. Yes. So, so in alternate reality, America probably did not embargo Germany for helium, which is why there was hydrogen on that, uh, on that uh, airship as well. There was an embargo, and America was the only global producer of helium. And they refused to sell it to Germany because they were a bunch of filthy Nazis. So, you know, that's, that's fine. Uh, but then the Nazis filled the blimp with hydrogen instead of helium because that, that was all that was available. Yeah. So, so it, it's funny, like, you know, what you can dis then determine just by looking at, you know, the writers obviously never thought, oh, well, clearly then the Hindenburg didn't happen. That's why there's Zeppelins. But, you know, that's just, a, just something that you can extrapolate based on looking at that. So <laughs> yep. I, I want to talk to a bit about Doctor Who as a whole, because the, doc, the Doctor is a character that has seen 
you know, in the context of alternate universes and things, the Doctor has. This is the first time they explore that in this in the revived series. It will not be the last. He is a character that is almost sort of uniquely suited to encountering these type of thing, these type of stories, because he's uh, he's built his very nature, what it is he does, and then the ship that he's in is built to perforate reality to visit different times. Because any time can be viewed. I mean, in a way, most of the stories are them traveling to different times or different spaces. And in particular, every time they travel back in time, they encounter sort of various monsters or things, which almost certainly were not actually there. You could say almost every time they're encountering parallel realities, which they then proceed to fix by defeating or removing whatever monster they happen to encounter and allowing history to continue on as we have known it. So he's almost a remover of parallel universes most of the time by ensuring that, like, our history just continues on in the way that it was always supposed to. Well, the he, doctor does not hate to be the, or does not, uh, how to say, he does not shy away from being the destroyer of worlds when necessary. Yeah, it's in, in fact, there's another episode I just want to briefly talk about because it's an interesting take on parallel. Again, because there's so many different options, the writing takes very much, very different approaches. So in one way, you know, this is a parallel reality and it's very clearly exists. But then in a future episode, he tries to create his own to alter history intensely, not minorly, but he tries to majorly alter history to create sort of his own parallel path. And it doesn't end up working out for him. He attempts to save the life of someone who has to die at a certain point. And again, to yeah highlight the sort of cheerfulness and uh, lightness of this series, she comes to understand from him that she was meant to die at this point in time in order to keep reality the way it is. And she, and she ends up killing herself to keep reality in check and this the like he freaks out and ends up realizing that he's gone much too far but like so it's two very different viewpoints of what a parallel universal reality could be smashed together in the same series because just that's the nature of how this character is but that's that's another fascinating point he himself can't seem to make his own parallel realities and the one time he's really tried it has gone incredibly terribly bad for him the episode i'm referring to Dear, if you listeners, I would highly recommend you watching it. It's called The Waters of Mars. You should you should see it. It's 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 great. It's one of the truly most intense endings that this series, like this show, has ever had. It's it's something to see. You should see it. Have you seen that one, JF? Uh, no. In fact, I will have to add it to my to watch list. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised we didn't. I'm surprised we didn't watch it. It's it's one of the specials. It's not an episode itself. It was one of the specials, but it's 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 brilliant. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I've ruined the ending for you now. There you go. But there it is. He he attempts to save someone who died. Her death sparks the human race to extend into the galaxy. He ends up saving her, and it's her like it inspires her granddaughter to be the first explorer. He ends up explaining this to her for why he can't help her and she has to die. He has a chains of heart. He ends up saving her. He gets super arrogant to go about it. She freaks out and in the end decides to kill herself to keep history the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's quite something. I'm listening, Hubris. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
but yeah, so it's it, I like this. I like their take on parallel universes. I like how much all the best science fiction is always holding a mirror up to society. This one was a particularly good example of how to do that subtly, not by throwing. They're not throwing that into your face. They're, the main theme is all not the main theme, but the story is almost entirely separate for all the for most of the points that they want to to make. But it all gets included in there anyways. I think it's a very fine example of how to use parallel universe to talk a lot about our particular existence. Yes, absolutely. And there was something I wanted to touch too on yep. the use of the parallel uh, universe here. Yep. There's also a commentary on uh, human character and how malleable it is according to one's conditions. So yeah. if you take the, uh, the character of Rose, her mother, is in both realities. In her her real reality, her father is dead. In this one, where the Cybermen are, her father is alive um, and wealthy, very wealthy. Uh, mm -hmm. So who is her mother? But they never have Rose. So due to their rise in wealth and status and power and whatnot, in the end, they don't have any children. And you can see that the personalities of the mother are fundamentally different in both realities. One yes. is caring, a, a little neurotic, but like caring and nice and like a working class mother. And the other one is an arrogant, mean, vindictive shrew. Um, and both, both of these people have the same genes, they have the same things, in theory they have the same parents, but their life trajectories were in the end dramatically different. And so their personalities shifted accordingly. Um, yes. So I just thought that, that was uh, interesting commentary, both also like on the malleability of personalities, but also on the isolating natures of wealth and the ways that it uh, makes you cold towards fellow human beings. Because one of the reasons why Rose's mother is depicted as being such a callous shrew is because she's mean to the help. Yes, there it's, yeah, it, it's, it doesn't have a lot of nice things to say about the rich does it it's uh but in terms of like how it warps and that's a very good point and how it warps your like how it warps you how it warps the way you act towards people what your expectations are towards people are dramatically the the two um i'm jack the two jackies the the jackie of the parallel and jackie yeah what how they re relate to everybody as you say is so dramatically different based entirely just on where they found themselves like economically in life yeah exactly yeah their whole attitudes their outlooks on life everything is fundamentally shifted and all it took was you know that wealth and that power whereas well, it's interesting. There's the good and the bad. Her father is depicted like clearly there's some serious problems in the marriage, and it's probably not all Jackie's fault. But her father also turns out to be the mole in Lumix's organization that he's been trying to take down, having realized that something is horribly wrong with what is going on here. Yes, and so the writers are trying to, to show us two things. They're trying to show us yep. like a, um, I, I think the the message on the insulating qualities of wealth and the way they dehumanize both the person who has the wealth and how it causes that person to dehumanize others who don't like that is clear commentary with jackie yep. with the father uh 
one, he's a useful device to be the mole in the organization. And I think that they mean that sometimes the human character can still shine through, even with the conditions that are imposed on you. Yeah, nothing is absolute, but there are obviously, there are trends that sort of come about. Exactly. Exactly. Well, there we go. I think we'll leave it with a meditation on... uh, Meditation on character, wealth, and existence, um, a good topic for these uh, times where we just don't have much else to do but meditate, have a lot to think about. So thank you for joining me, JF. My From, pleasure. Uh, I, just, I just want to leave a message to the listeners on, on that yes. note, Connor. When you're all meditating, just think about how tasty the rich are. And remember that when we all come out of confinement, to grab your pitchforks and go for a barbecue. There we go. <laughs> technically because i'm the host i should remain impartial for such things so i won't explicitly say that i 100 percent endorse that message this is me not explicitly saying i 100 percent endorse that message that is not something that i would explicitly support absolutely not definitely no it is 100 percent the uh advice and expert opinion of your guest whom you wanted to showcase on the platform correct your opinion and yes. you are not recommending that we all go out and seek revenge Correct. on the rich absolutely yes, not okay. no that's definitely not something that i would 100 percent support Perfect. but yes thank you for listening once again dear listeners uh thank you jeff for joining me if you enjoyed this content or any of the content that we've had please go and follow us on twitter instagram all of your favorite social media that is not infecting inside of your brains much the same way that the lumic has used social media to essentially take gain control of humankind's brains do not take the meaning of what this very episode that we have just watched to heart and instead follow us on social media at rocketman tfgc Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And I hope, again, you're all doing well, keeping sane, doing whatever you can. And we will join you next time. Farewell. This has been a Two Finger Guns Club production. Pew, pew.